It's postcast time. BYU shuts out Sam Houston State 14 to nothing. But is it really all that exciting to have a 14 to nothing win? We're talking about it on Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Uh, it is late. It's around 2 a.m. as I'm recording this mountain time and this first postcast of the 2023 season. And if you were hiding under a rock and you're just checking things out, well, good news. BYU won a football game. They're 1-0 on the season, albeit in unspectacular fashion. They beat the Sam Houston Bearcats 14-0 at Lavelle Edwards. Stadium. Fun to be back out at LES. The Ed, as some people call it, and to be watching football in action. And the thing about this is there are good and bad on both sides. And we'll talk more about uh, some of my major takeaways as a chance to kind of chew on it on our Monday edition of the podcast. But I'm going to kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of what I took away from the game. They're going to dive right into your guys' responses. I solicited them on Twitter, and we'll get to those right away. But a couple of notes for you guys. Was the offense great? No. 257 total yards is obviously not something you want to see if you're if you're a BYU fan. But the bigger thing is you want to see improvement going into game two. And I'm, I'm assuming that there will be an improvement uh, for BYU offensively. Keaton Slovis, pretty pedestrian night, obviously, when you only have the 257 yards. That indicates that. But the big star I felt like offensively for BYU was the emergence of LJ Martin. L.J. Martin is a four-star talent coming to BYU by way of Conotillo High School in El Paso, Texas. A guy that BYU is very excited to have on their roster, but I think he's developing faster than almost anybody. Uh, maybe some of the coaches thought that he could do this, but I didn't think he was going to develop this quickly. And he comes out essentially in the back half of the third and the fourth quarters. He leads BYU with 16 carries and more importantly, 91 yards, averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Let me remind you guys, this time last year, this was a young man who was just in high school. He is 18 years old, and he is absolutely showing out in his first game in college. That's a four-star talent and then some. That is a phenomenal development for BYU offensively. Other offensive issues, I felt like the offensive line very much looked like a unit that is still getting used to playing next to one another. Now, that necessarily uh, shouldn't be uh, an issue you would imagine because you have two established guys in both Kingsley Suomati and Connor Pay, and three other guys who have been working with them throughout the majority of training camp, but they still very much looked like they weren't completely in sync. I don't think the offense necessarily was completely in sync. And I'm going to go back, and obviously, as I often do, I, not often, I do it every game. I'll rewatch the film, write down my notes, and we'll share those with you guys early next week here on the podcast. So I'll go back through and scour it and try to find some standouts that maybe I missed live. But it just felt like the offense to me never really got into rhythm. Now, Inopportune penalties, dropped balls, slow developing plays, uh, taking too long to even get the play in in the first place. The, the BYU had to burn a timeout on the very first play from scrimmage in the second half because they couldn't get the play call in in time. That's a lot of the first, jing, uh, first game 
jitters and jinxes and all kinds of other stuff that are going on. Let's flip over to the defense, though. When you pitch a shutout, the first shutout BYU has notched against an FBS team since 2012, their first shutout overall since a crushing Savannah State 64 to nothing in 2014, when it's been 9 and it would be 11 years respectively since you have done that defensively, that's pretty impressive stuff. The other thing about this is BYU, as well as Oklahoma, are the only two squads to shut out a fellow FBS opponent in the week one of the season. That's pretty impressive company to be in, but when you consider that Oklahoma piled up 73 points on offense and BYU manages to paltry 14, changes the tenor of that statement. But nonetheless, you can't take away what this defense did. Yes, I know that Sam Houston State is an FBS debutante. They are still obviously kind of growing and establishing themselves at this level. It was their first game ever at this level. But to go out and just absolutely dominate the way BYU did, I got to give the defense a tip of the cap. It was fun to see them limit the rushing opportunities for Sam Houston. They mustered a grand total of 38 yards. BYU is bringing pressure. I saw corner blitzes. I saw blitzes from all over the field. Very exotic looks from Jay Hill's defense. And you can tell this defense is excited to be playing under this man. Speaking of Jay Hill as their defensive coordinator. They believe in him. They understand what he is going and operating uh, with. And he obviously has his players respect and that's a positive sign for BYU. I actually very much like the fact that they're bringing the pressure. Yes, only one sack. Only uh, one uh, uh, I'm trying to say, they had six tackles for loss one sack, but more importantly set, uh, seven QB hits. BYU was making life miserable for Keegan Shoemaker, the quarterback who went the entire way for Sam Houston in this game. So uh, I thought it was a pretty solid defensive outing and you can't take away the fact that it was a shutout. That's hard to do in this day and age of football. I don't care what it is. You would think at some point in the game, the Bearcats would get even get into field goal range and get, get a chance to kick a field goal. They didn't even get close to that. The closest they came to scoring was that they actually scored lifetime on a play that should have been blown dead, but it was an offsides. They blocked a, a field goal attempt, the lone field goal attempt of the game for Will Farron. It was returned for a touchdown, but it was negated, obviously, by that offsides call. So, uh, good job to the BYU defense. It was really fun to see that. Max Tooley and Ben Bywater picking up where they left off last year, both of them tying for the team high with nine tackles each. A.J. Vongpachan showing out, but the defensive MVP of this game, in my mind, no doubt about it, Jacob Robinson, J-Rob, two interceptions, absolutely incredible. The second one, I got my questions if that was actually an interception, but nonetheless, they went to the review. They spent a long time looking at it, and they credited the call stood as called on the field, and that is an interception. So two interceptions for him, very impressive showing. Eddie Heckard also had the other interception to close out the game, also had a monster hit uh, late in that game as well. He showed well, but the defensive MVP for me is J. Jacob Robinson. Really, really impressive stuff from that young man. He had a really self-deprecating comment in the postgame comments. Uh, he was asked why they kept throwing at him. He said, well, look at me. Why wouldn't you throw at me? But he showed out uh, past breakups, great tackles, really good job by him. He picked up right where he left off after saving that win for BYU in the New Mexico Bowl. Picked up right where he left off nine, nine months and change later as BYU kicked off the season with a W. I guess the offensive MVP, I think I already stated, I didn't necessarily point it out. It's LJ Martin. There's no doubt about it. Six 16 carries, 91 yards, and doing all that damage really in about a quarter and a half. 
Really impressive stuff from that young man. It looks like his future is extremely bright. All right, uh, we're going to flip over, let you guys have your say. We'll share the screen and let you guys have your say on what's going on and what your thoughts were on BYU and their overall efforts in the win. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a moment. First, a quick word on our friends over at UCCU. Now, Utah Community Credit Union has been working on this for quite a while. They have what they call their Learn and Earn program. Inside their app, they have an opportunity for you guys to go and learn about money. They do it via quizzes and trivia and some lessons involved. And when you fill out these quizzes and trivia, you can go and get uh, points. And you uh, collect those points and they accrue and then you can redeem them for gift cards to places like Walmart, Nike, uh, Amazon. The best part is they're available everywhere and all you have to do is open up the app. It's available inside UCCU's mobile app. You can play it anywhere, anytime and accrue those points and obviously the more you learn, the more you earn. That's the most important part about it. The best part is it's built for the entire family. Kids, teens, adults, grandparents, no matter what age you're in, they can absolutely help you guys learn more about money first off, and then at the same time, you guys can make some money of your own, cheddar as we like to call it, and get started with that. Go to uccu.com, get started today with the app. It's all courtesy of UCCU, love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers, and uh, you guys are pretty diehard if you're catching this shortly after I post it. But nonetheless, big thank you to all of you for the, for your support, undying support of the podcast. We got to the 4,000 subscriber mark just before kickoff. Actually, well before kickoff. We got to it uh Overnight, Friday uh, night into Saturday morning. So big ups to all of you on YouTube who subscribe to the show. Thousands more of you uh, listening to this on the regular podcast platforms. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support as always. All right, going to share the screen here. Uh, for those of you watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see all of the tweets, hopefully, uh, that I've got for you guys. I pulled it up on our Locked On Cougars Twitter feed. I'll drop down the overlay so you can see this a little bit better. Uh, but let's start off with some of the comments. I, I threw this out after the game uh, asking for your guys' comments. Let's start off with Matt Staples, M. Staples fives. We've got the W. Let's use the film to fix what we need to and get ready for SUU. We need to look better or it's going to be a long season. I think that's absolutely a, a well-reasoned take. Yes, you do need to see better from BYU. Jimmy Dub at Cougar Jimmy says, man, I am loving Jay Hill's defense. They were a wall tonight. It was a blast watching a good BYU defense again. It's been too long. Offense looks, in a word, bad. Hopefully Hill and Epps make a difference. What's your opinion on Slovis? Jitters, the yips, can he snap back? I'm assuming he's going to be able to snap back. I hope so, at least, because what he showed in fall camp and throughout spring ball was a different quarterback in many respects than I expected him to be tonight. Did he have his moments? Yes, but there are other moments where it's like, mm, okay, maybe he's the uh, Keaton Slovis everybody thought he was coming into the season. Uh, Tanner Plummer, Tanner J. Plummer says, I've seen it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. In football, anything can happen. This game proves that. Give Sam Houston credit. With that said, the, games di- the game did have a 2017 Portland State vibe to it. Ooh-wee. Uh, hopefully not, because Portland State, man, we had some bad juju coming out of that game, and we all know what happened in 2017 after that game. Uh, Mojo, our good friend, obviously protecting our country as a fighter pilot, says Slovis looked restless, overthrew deep balls, messed up some pretty easy screens, and just needed to settle down. Coach Hill was his advertised. Yeah, Jay Hill absolutely uh, deserves, a, deserves a game ball for pitching the shutout, obviously, with his defense. Very impressive stuff. Slovis does need to look better. There's no, bar- no doubt about it. He needs to be sharper as a quarterback. Uh, Daniel Rigby, please don't cheese on Twitter, says defense looked pretty solid, but a truly atrocious outing from the offense. Slovis did not show much confidence in his performance. Overall, I felt a lot of 2017 vibes from the offense today. Yikes. Wow, a lot of you going right back to that 2017 squad. That was a really rough year. Trust me. Uh, I sat through all those games, and I hope it's not that way, because if it is, 
whew, it's going to be a long year because it could be even worse than the 4-9 and nine if because uh, this is going to be a much tougher schedule than that 2017 schedule. Uh, Nick Chadwick says, is A-Rod's run schemes that causing the struggles for the running backs? Brooks last year, Robbins this year, or is it player issues? Felt like L- LJ Martin had actual holes to run through. I just think there was some issues with the offensive line being in sync. There were inopportune penalties. LJ Martin showed one thing in particular. There's a thing called vision. BYU runs a wide zone running scheme, and as a running back, you have to have the, the vision to see the holes developing kind of before they happen. I know it sounds like counterintuitive, but in this wide zone running scheme, you absolutely have to have the vision. LJ Martin showed that vision. Aiden Robin, and especially Deion Smith, did not show that and didn't uh, didn't show that they had figured it out in game. When the bullets are live, it changes. The lights come on, as they say. It can change the whole dynamic. And those running backs, uh, Chris uh, Brooks last year came on strong down the stretch after he recovered some, from some injuries and his early struggles. The hope is that Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith will pick it up faster. But, hey, if LJ Martin continues to show like he showed tonight, why don't you start him? Why is he not running back one, at least uh, in the near future? I still think you give Aiden Robbins plenty of leash to figure it out. Same thing with Deion Smith. But LJ Martin showed that vision that the other two didn't show in this game in particular. Uh, Jake War says, uh, big defense, uh, defense, big W, offense, big L, except LJ Martin. I think that's a well-reasoned take. Defense absolutely showed out. When you shut out an opponent, you celebrate that wildly, and the offense does need to be better. Uh, Corey, true blue underscore BYU. Jay Hill was as good as advertised. Defense looked disciplined and came up big when needed. On the offense, uh, I don't know if it was because Epson Hill were out, but Slovis did not look good. A lot of errant throws. Now, I did get a couple of DMs, by the way, about Epson, uh, Epson Hill saying, Jake, where were they? If you guys are listening to the podcast this week, I guess you guys are not everydayers who asked the question. I told you, they they were questionable at best, and they went through warm-ups. I saw people, I actually person say, well, they're warming up, Jake. You were wrong about that. Guys, BYU does this all the time. They send dudes out to warm up. It's a smoke screen. Make the team think, oh, maybe they are going to play these guys. Oh, and then, by the way, they go back into the locker room on uh, change, and they don't play the rest of the game. That's what happened with Keanu Hill and Cody Epps. I want to see them on the field. I truly do. It would have been much better, I feel like, to have them on the field. But if they're not capable of going, you don't want to risk it. And obviously, BYU will hopefully get them back uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Turd Burglar, that's a great name right there. Why can't we have the best of both worlds? Is it too much to ask for a potent offense and a stout defense? Also, Slovis seems scared to throw the ball. Oftentimes, his passes were lethargic and miscalculated, blah. Okay, I'm going to say one thing right now. I've got faith that Aaron Roderick has got enough track record of figuring out uh, his offense and being able to get it on track that I'm going to trust that he will get it figured out at some point. Did it come to fruition tonight? No, absolutely not. But it needs to, it, it absolutely, I think, will come around. I, at least I hope so. I, I could be dead wrong about that. And that, that would very much have those 2017 vibes if it doesn't come around. But I'm going to trust that Aaron Roderick will get it dialed in at some point here for the offense. Uh, Nick Lee, boy, glad it was Sam Houston to get some kinks out against. This could have been ugly. They probably lose that game last year. At least it was a shutout. I like that, Nick. And by the way, Nick was uh, at uh, Penn State watching that West Virginia-Penn State game. Hope you had a great time at that, Nick. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it could have been uglier had it been a different opponent. There's no doubt about that. Say this was the, Remember that Tennessee was supposed to be the season opener for BYU? Uh, can you imagine what the Volunteers might have done to BYU in this game? Uh, it's, it's a... It's a valid concern. It was a good thing that Tennessee bought out of that game. Uh, Sharon Paul Jenkins says, Slovis gets the ball off slow. Uh, it was the ball getting out of his hand slow, or was it the fact the wide receivers had a hard time getting separation in this game? There, there are two things there. Also, uh, one thing I'll add to this. 
I felt like at times they were forcing the ball to Rex more than more than normal. They really were targeting Rex in a number of circumstances. Now uh, he had the illegal touching. Uh, now he did get the down. Uh, what was it? It was a uh, illegal man downfield, and then he caught the ball because he touched the ball. He's the first person to touch the ball other than the quarterback. That's essentially a illegal touching on top of the ineligible man downfield. Therefore, that is why there was a, the loss of down. Sam Houston did not have that uh, player touch the ball that was downfield, so therefore there was only the five-yard penalty. Hopefully that clears something, some of that up before I get that question here. Uh, BYU and LV fan, our running good friend, running rep D. Humes. This offense is trash. Slovis, and he spells it purposely S-L-O-W-V-I-S, is what I told y'all he would be. O, O-line underperforming as usual. O-line, it did underperform. Slovis needed to be better. There's no doubt about that. The hope is that they will get that dialed in and fixed very, very quickly. JT Lamoureux, not much to take away from this game. Defense was aggressive. OL had some issues and a lot of pre-snap confusion on offense that needs to be cleaned up. What happened to Robbins? Great to see LJ shine a bit. I think Sam Houston has a great defense. We'll just have to see. Uh, hey. No, no disagreement here. Uh, good friend, uh, Yeehaw, Katie Burner, 155. Big fan of the show. I'm so pleased with our defense. They showed up. LJ Martin is the real deal. I have faith in Slovis and the offense. Us BYU fans always jump to the extreme, but he'll get back to himself. Lots of work to be done, but grateful for the win. Uh, okay, I like that. It's actually not a bad take there. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, the comment on the show. It's good that I always have the support of the po- of you guys out there in the podcast sphere as well. And I appreciate all of you for uh, letting us letting us know what you guys like and what you don't like about the show. Uh, one other thing real quick on this is that I, I feel like BYU, uh, when it comes to the, the extremes, as, as you mentioned, kind of jumping to the extremes, it's the nature of fans. That's the thing about this. I'm not concerned about you guys uh, being too harsh on this team. It was a lackluster performance. I, I can guarantee that offense is going to feel like that. Uh, but let me also add one thing about this. We found this out in post game. Uh, Mata Ava Taase, his dad passed away. Uh, so this has been yesterday morning, Saturday morning, and he decided to play in that game. That's unimaginably uh, tough, and I, I think it affected his teammates. It, it's tough to, to lose a loved one, and it's going to affect his brothers, uh, quote-unquote, who are on this football program. I, I had no doubt that that probably played into a little bit of the lackluster showing offensively. To lose your dad and decide to play the game, I, I man, I would hate to be put in that situation because you want to be respectful at the same time. You want to grieve uh, for the loss of your parent. But I think Tava decided, you know what, I need to go honor my dad by playing in this game. And he had his moments in this game, but that's got to be unimaginably tough to overcome that. And I think it may have lent itself to a little bit of the of the offensive sluggishness it felt like at times in this game. Uh, let me, I just, I'm going to add that in there. It was something I was thinking of as we talked. All right, a few more uh, responses here. I'm going to throw this up one more time. Uh, well, I, I threw it on twice on Twitter, so I'll let you guys uh, see these real quick uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, but next one up comes in from Bleed and Blue at Bleeds underscore Blue 22. Why was the O-line so, so poor? What can they do to fix? I think I already kind of explained that. I think it was just more them getting in sync and working together. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to get that ironed out this week. Maybe they need to adjust uh, some guys playing positions-wise. We'll see what happens there. Uh, WTF happened to Slovis. Everything out of camp says that he's looked great. He looked not that tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I no disagreement. Uh, no doubt. Uh, Thomas Kelly, let's hope we play at a higher echelon, echelon, that's kind of funny, uh, level of play for the rest of the season. Hoping this first, first game shook, uh, shook of the first game jitters. Shook out, maybe that's supposed to be the answer. 
Uh, but we'll talk more about that, obviously, uh, coming up. It's one of those interesting things. Landon Sorensen says, ugly win, but the defense looked a lot better than last year. Hopefully the offense will right the ship quickly. Yeah, they need to outright the ship. There's no doubt. you got to be better. You do have one more tune-up game against Southern Utah, and you're going to have to be better, obviously, in that. Uh, Andrew Bailey, Coog with a cold one. Says, I wish I saw something that would give us a glimmer of what's to come besides the awesome picks. The defense showed something, folks. If the defense can do what they did tonight, game in, game out, especially against Big 12 opposition, it's going to give BYU a chance in every game, even if the offense may not necessarily be as high-powered as it has been in the past. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, next one, uh, Cat Turd. Where is Erps? Where, where is Epps? Excuse me, Erps. Uh, where is Epps? Is, where is the awesome offensive line go? Why does Slovis throw so hard at times and float at all the rest? How bad is our kicking game to be going for it? Uh, here's the thing. The kicking game, those go-for-it-down down in distance situations, they go by analytics. They did it last year, and obviously it kind of blew up in their face. It uh, didn't necessarily go as well tonight. The fake punt was obviously a disappointment for BYU, but uh, the hope is that BYU will be better on that front. Uh, Matt Moon, I'm so bugged by the offensive line. It looks so weak. The offense as a whole gets a pass because he ran about five different plays all game. That's a good point. It was very vanilla. I will give him that. But the O-line looks so weak. What is the deal with that? He also added this. The penalties were bad. Also, how is it that we got hose on the ineligible receiver downfield loss it down? That was garbage. It wasn't garbage. It's in the rule book. If the uh, ineligible player ends up being the first player to touch the ball after they've been ruled ineligible, it is a loss of down. It's kind of a, it's a kind of a dual uh, punitive. Uh, you always obviously lose the yardage, and as well as you lose the down, it's a tough deal. And obviously, you'll have to fix that. Make sure that they don't have the alignment where you have a guy like Isaac Rex get covered up and therefore be ruled ineligible by the officials. Uh, final word here: S. Shaw uh, at Stevens, a uh, bunch of numbers there. Is Slovis too short to see over the middle? Uh, he might be the tallest quarterback. He's taller. Than I, he's taller. I'll tell you, say this. He is taller than both Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. So uh, if he's too short, too short to see over the middle of the uh, in terms of the offensive line. Well, here's the thing: Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall were able to do it. Why can't Zach, Why can't uh, Keaton Slovis do it? I'm expecting BYU to bounce back, and I'm sincerely hoping they do because they absolutely need to. But uh, we'll continue to break it down. I'm going to chew on this a little bit and share some more of my takeaways on tomorrow's show. Uh, speaking of Monday, I'm, I'm putting this out on an early Sunday morning, late Saturday night, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, but on our Monday edition of the show, more takeaways, more of my thoughts as I have a chance uh, to kind of think about it. I'm going to go back and watch the film as well. We'll have a film breakdown, my takeaways, some players that maybe stood out on a second viewing of the game as well. Stay tuned for that. And also, had a great chance Friday night to catch up with West offensive lineman and defensive lineman Nuku Mafia, a guy BYU would absolutely love to have as a member of their recruiting class. Had a great chat with him. That'll be coming up on a Monday edition of the podcast as well. So until then, have a great Sunday slash Saturday night, no matter, uh, depending on how you look at it, as I said. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being uh, making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, as I often finish off saying, as well as making it uh, your everydayers, making it a part of your day every single day. Until next time, my friends, I am going to sign off because I am very, very tired. <laughs> this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.